Jesus changed my life. Ever since the day that I met him in Galilee, he rescued me. And I followed him ever since, all the way to his death. But there was the tomb, and it was empty. My heart broke into a thousand pieces. I turned and there was a gardener and I asked him if he knew where they had taken Jesus's body. But I recognized it was Jesus. <laughs> it was my Lord. He taught us that his sheep would recognize his voice and I knew him. I knew him the minute he said my name. I dropped to my knees. What else could I do but cling to him? I never wanted to let him out of my sight. But no, he had different plans for me. He wanted me to let the others know about the good news. I ran as fast as my legs would carry me, shouting like an excited child. He did it! He did it! He, he really did it! Yes. <laughs> to think that I had come to an anoint a dead man, and I left with proof that he is the overcomer of everything. I, all of us, can never beat fear, sorrow, sin, definitely not death. Death. He beat death. In case you didn't quite follow along with what was happening there, that was Mary Magdalene uh, recounting her experience the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Let's hear her story together now, as told in the Gospel of John. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. 
And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the feet and one at the head. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and mercy and peace and joy and and victory and life be to you from God the Father and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today I want to start out with a question. And I want the slide to ask, ask you the question too. There we go. What did Mary bring to the tomb that first Easter Sunday morning? We're not told explicitly in John's gospel. Uh, the other gospels mention that she and actually some other women came with spices in order to anoint the dead body of Jesus. That was certainly their intent as they showed up at the tomb right at the break of dawn. But John doesn't even mention the other women. Uh, Virtually every scholar agrees that John's gospel was the last one to be written, maybe even decades before Matthew and Mark and Luke. And so John might have expected his readers to know that Mary had come to anoint Jesus' body and and that she had not come alone. In fact, John's gospel kind of hints at this when, when Mary says to Peter and John, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. But in John's account of the greatest day in history, it's Mary's story that he wants to tell, up close and personal. And he doesn't need to mention everything that the other Gospels do, not only because he assumes you probably have already heard about it, but especially because he wants us to notice that Mary brought far more to the tomb that day than just spices. She brought fear, pain, heartbreak. She brought the crushing burden of sorrow, the heavy weight of hopelessness. Mary brought to the tomb that morning the thin thread by which she was barely hanging on, afraid and just about to snap. If you have a heart in your chest, it's impossible not to have pity on Mary in this situation. With Peter and John having come and gone, Mary is left alone with her grief and her confusion. John tells us that Mary was standing there weeping outside of the tomb, and and then she kind of stooped to look in, just like John had a couple minutes before. But, But she saw something that John didn't. She saw two angels dressed in white, sitting where Jesus' body had been laid. 
Now, this doesn't seem to be the same appearance as, as in other Gospels where the angels tell the women that Jesus has risen from the dead. No, here, they just ask her, Woman, why are you weeping? There were so many answers Mary could have given. She had a good reason for every single tear that she shed that morning. But Mary simply responds, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. It's important for us to understand the significance of these words. Mary wasn't just upset that she couldn't find Jesus' body so that she could anoint it with spices. No, for Mary, this was the final confirmation that her hope was gone. Jesus, her hope, her only hope was gone. And as a result, she too was desperately lost. And what scared her the most is that this is not the first time Mary had been desperately lost. And and she thought those days were long gone. You see, Mary Magdalene had a history. We don't know a lot about her. Now, some have suggested that she was the woman of ill repute that washed Jesus' feet with her hair. Um, Others have suggested that she's the woman in John chapter 8 that was caught in adultery. But the Bible doesn't tell us either of those things. What the Bible does tell us, and, and what we do know about Mary Magdalene, is that Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. Seven. In the Bible, the number seven is, is often symbolic of, of fullness or completeness. But uh, Mary's demons were completely real and literal. Her, her life must have been a living hell thrown about and and possessed by evil spirits who wished her harm. Servants of the devil whose sole purpose was to rob her of her identity and bring about her eternal destruction. But then Jesus had come along. In his power and his mercy, Jesus had cast the demons far, far away from her. He rescued her, showing her a love she had never before known welcoming her, her, as his disciple and sister. He had wiped away her tears. But now, on this morning, they flowed again and without reprieve. Woman, why are you weeping? Because Jesus had been taken away and she did not know where they had laid him. I can only imagine what she felt, what she feared. Would the demons return? Would her past come back to haunt her with no savior to save her this time? This is what Mary brought to the tomb that day. How about you? What do you bring to the tomb of Jesus today? Fear? Loneliness? An addiction? A past indiscretion that weighs heavy on your heart? A firm conviction that things can never be okay ever again? Maybe if the people sitting around you today could see deep into your heart, they'd be compelled to ask you, why are you weeping? Now, weeping is appropriate sometimes. Now, I learned from Sesame Street at a very early age that it's all right to cry. Uh, King Solomon teaches us in Ecclesiastes famously Now that there is a time for weeping, there is a time for mourning, sometimes tears are called for, 
when we lose a loved one, when we're struggling with the harsh realities of, of living in a broken and sinful world, when we mourn our own sin, when we lament the effect that the sin of other people has had on us. Weeping is appropriate at times, and it's, it's hard to blame Mary for her tears under these circumstances. But how much of our weeping is based on false assumptions? If Mary had had the full story, she would have been overjoyed. Well, she's about to get it, and so are you. So if you have ever found yourself hanging around a place of death, either by choice or by circumstance, wondering where Jesus is, weeping and alone, then know that's precisely where Mary found herself. But it is precisely where Jesus found her. She turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, she's probably getting tired of this question by now, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. You know, sometimes one word can be far more powerful than you ever could have imagined. On the one hand, sometimes one word can bring devastation. Just ask some of us here today who have sat in that doctor's office, as he said, cancer. On the other hand, one word can also bring elation and relief, as it has for thousands, maybe millions of young men who found themselves down on one knee with a diamond ring in their trembling hand. For Mary Magdalene, on that first Easter Sunday, one word changed her whole world. Jesus said to her, Mary. When she first met Jesus, Mary had thought that nothing in her life could ever compare to that moment. But in this moment, as her crucified Lord stands before her alive, she knows that she had been wrong. Never before in her life had she felt joy as she felt it now. She couldn't even begin to process what all of this meant. Not in this moment, not right now, not as Jesus stood in front of her with holes in his hands and a hint of laughter in his smile. It was only joy, sheer, unabashed joy. Processing would come later when she began to realize that Jesus had defeated death. And when she learned that she, Mary Magdalene, out of whom Jesus had cast seven demons, was the person he had chosen to appear to before anybody else. Martin Luther says, this is something to ponder, that the Lord first appeared to Mary Magdalene. Those who accept the gospel are the Magdalene's, that is, the weak. The word that they hear cuts through death and sin. For Mary, that word was her name. That one word spoken into her grief and mourning said so much more. It said, Mary I am alive, and this changes everything. Mary, I have forever cast all of your demons and all of your sins farther away from you than the east is from the west. Mary, you are mine, and I love you, and you never have to fear anything ever again. 
And then Jesus said something more. Go to my brothers. It's funny he calls them brothers after what they'd just done to him. Go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Mary must have been feeling that her ears had been created for the express purpose of hearing Jesus speak her name. And now she knew that her tongue had been formed by God so that she could use it to go and proclaim to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. You are here today celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead because that message was passed along to you. From the original eyewitnesses to the early church, from generation to generation and on down to you. All of that began with Mary Magdalene. She was the first to be privileged to share the good, world-shaking news that Jesus had conquered death. And her message is for you here today. Mary had been in the presence of Jesus and she didn't know it. Maybe you've experienced that too. Maybe you're there right now. Well, Mary's message for you, John's message, my message, is that Jesus is there too. You may be afflicted in every way, but you are not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Because Jesus is alive, and his empty tomb proves that wherever there is sin, There is forgiveness. Wherever there is pain, there is healing. Wherever there is despair, there is hope. And wherever there is death, even in the tomb itself, there is life. Jesus has been given the name that is above every name, the name at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess his lordship. His name is that one little word that Martin Luther says in his great hymn, can fell the devil. The name of Jesus is great and powerful because he lives. And Jesus lives to speak your name. Most of you gathered here today have experienced that same moment that Mary did, whether you remember it or not. That moment when Jesus spoke your name and lifted you from the despair of death up to the joy of new life. In your baptism, your name was spoken, and then God's name was spoken, and God's name was placed on you. There, God cast out every demon from your heart, along with the sin and death that had taken up residence, so that he could come and dwell within you by his Holy Spirit. There, as Paul says, you were baptized into the death of Jesus, so that you also will be raised to new and eternal bodily life just as Christ himself has been. And another day is coming and coming soon when the mighty victor who has destroyed death will speak your name over your grave and you will rise to live with him forever. Mary's weeping came to a swift end when Jesus shared with her the full story. And the day is coming when you and I will also have and live and experience eternally the full story when every tear will be wiped away and every fear eradicated. For now, the demons, whatever they may be, will not and cannot win. For they and their prince have been defeated and their most terrible weapon, death, has been turned against them and utterly stripped of its power. 
So today, hear the voice of your risen Savior cut through death and sin. He died and he rose for the entire world, but today, remember this, he died and he rose for you so that he could speak your name, so that he could lift your head, so that he could wipe away your tears. Today, he says to you, Linda, I am alive, and this changes everything. Tom, I have forever cast every demon and every sin far, far away from you, farther than the east is from the west. Emily, I love you. You are mine. You never have to fear anything ever again. And then hear him as he sends you, just as he sent Mary, to share the good and world-shaking news. When someone asks you later on this week, how is your Easter? Don't just say, you know, it was really nice. Uh, We had ham, good family dinner, got to eat some jelly beans. That is a highlight, though, I'll admit. Tell them, I have seen the Lord. Tell them that you heard him speak your name. And then let Jesus use you to speak theirs. Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.